0: Slice audio. Welcome to Doc Talk, a weekly podcast featuring Monument Health physicians addressing medical topics. Tune in to your health with Monument Health. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Doc Talk with Monument Health. My name is Mark Houston, and joining me again for this podcast is Doctor Hunter Moyer, a plastic surgeon from Monument Health. Last time we talked, Doctor, it was all about facelifts, and that's pretty fascinating. Everybody's heard about them for forever, yep. and uh, you know, but you you did such an excellent job of explaining it and walking us through it um, that uh, I think people learned an, an awful lot from that podcast. But I think the big one that most people associate with a facelift is what you would call rhinoplasty. Mm-hmm. Most of the rest of us would refer to as a nose job. That's right. Correct? That's correct. Uh, and I'm assuming you have done countless mm-hmm. <laughs> of Abs- these. <laughs> absolutely. Now, is it true that this, probably in in the world of facelifts, that this is probably one of the most challenging things you can do as a reconstructive or, or cosmetic surgeon? It is.
1: And wow. so we have to break that down. It The nose uh, is... Amazing! How many pieces go into it? It really doesn't, it, it look, doesn't look that complicated. No. I mean, you kind of you, you got a couple of holes in yeah, yeah, the <laughs> and and the thing about so we talked about facelifts and ninety nine point nine nine percent of the time that's cosmetic. Mm-hmm. We're there for a result. Rhinoplasty, you're always balancing functional because you still have to breathe, sure, right? Still have to talk. You don't want to sound nasal. With cosmetic or aesthetic. So it's a balance now because things you do to the nose, if you, you know, patients in we're all going to harken back to, to Michael Jackson. But, um, that was going to be one of the questions, uh-huh. sure. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, patients want certain things. Mm-hmm. We all do. We want, you know, the biggest one you always hear about is that what's called that dorsal hump, that kind of... Oh, that's, that's, that's what that's referred the, to. Yeah, okay, dorsal yep. hump where you've got that big area there. That's kind of the most common cosmetic rhinoplasty complaint. But then what goes along with that is a narrower tip, a little bit more defined areas. And we can do all those things, but you're always balancing airflow. You're always balancing the function of the nose. And so we see those two external holes. We call that the external nasal valve, right? We all see that all the time. Right. Inside our nose, deeper in, is called the internal nasal valve. And that's where 95% of breathing obstruction is. And so you know those breathe right strips that athletes Mm -hmm. wear? Yeah. They kind of stick those to the upper part of the nose. It has a spring in it, and it kind of pulls the upper part of your nose out. And that actually increases airflow through the internal nasal valve. That's the key. So what you can't have is, you know, I want a small nose. I want to tighten this, tighten that. We can do that within limits because we have to make sure that airflow through that internal nasal valve is appropriate.
0: Now, that's I, – I never thought – I do – I use those strips almost nightly. I, I do have uh, – uh, an, an issue where sometimes that that gets and that can can nose jobs I mean they can kind of fix that they too can. or they okay
1: and you know the other thing to do is kind of put your fingers on your cheeks and kind of pull out laterally yeah and, and that's much
0: I that feel so much better when, better when you do that But but uh, that's <laughs> <No>, great <laughs> but that's
1: kind of the idea and so what we go back to is co- even cosmetic rhinoplasty you're just coming in you have no breathing issues mm-hmm. and you want things fixed we can do that we just don't want to cause breathing issues so very complicated and then when you think Think about it. We, we actually divide that nose that you look at, doesn't look that complicated, into nine subunits. Every subunit has to be treated appropriately. Every tip portion has to be treated appropriately. And every move you do with cartilage, which obviously this is all cartilage, a little bit of bone, a mm-hmm. little bit of cartilage, every move has, to, has a counter, you know, has a counter move to it or a counter reaction to it. So, uh, you know, I often, when patients come to me and we talk about rhinoplasty, we start, and I kind of describe the nose as if you're building a house. When you build a house, you start with a foundation. The foundation is going to be those nasal bones that you can kind of push on up top near kind your Kind of right eyes. between your yep, eyes there. Yep, okay. a very deep, what we call the nasal or maxillary spine deep inside. That's the foundation of the house. And then when you build a house, you're going to frame it, right? And so the frame is going to be your cartilage. And if you build a house and the, the foundation's off, number one, the cartilage is going to be off. Or, you know, the frame of your house is going to be off and it's going to lean. And then with the cartilage itself, it has to be appropriate. It has to have structure and function to it and strength. And then, of course, in the house, you put a roof on the top. And so that's the least important, honestly, is the skin on top. It's the framework and the foundation it sits on. So we will be doing bony work where we set the foundation straight, and that's going to affect the cartilage. And then we'll do cartilage work at the same time. So every move you make affects the other portions.
0: So who is – Who's who's a good candidate for this? Is it, is it, is it? Do you do mostly for cosmetic? I would, no I would
1: honestly say I probably do about 50-50. Wow, really? I really do. Um, so we'll have two different patient sets come in, cosmetic alone. And the two biggest things we see for cosmetic, well, three biggest things we see is that dorsal mm-hmm. hump we talked about, that fullness in the upper part. Is there a, is there a genetic... Absolutely. component to that? Is that... There is an ethnicity to rhinoplasty more so than any other area of yeah, eyes to. But mm-hmm. there's a very ethnic rhinoplasty look and you need to, within reason and patient request, stay within that ethnicity look. Got mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, um, so, yeah, you know, that dorsal hump yep. that we talked about is one. Two is what's called a boxy tip, a very bulbous, sometimes called bulbous tip. And then the third one that most cosmetic patients come in is called a hanging columella, where the kind of nose kind of folds over or hangs over. Sure. Or sometimes called a polybeak deformity, terrible name, but true <laughs> it is. <You're> right. <laughs> but what we have seen, you know, in in measurements of patients as they age, this tip will start to fall, and so you get an overhang. So a lot of that polybeak hanging collumel will be in some of the older patients, whereas the dorsal hump and boxy tip is our younger patients. So
0: does your, does your, does your nose continue to, to grow as you get older then? Slightly. Okay. Yeah,
1: just like your ears do. Sure. Slightly. Slightly. Yeah. Okay. Slightly. More so, you get a little more hanging of the tissue, just like you get in the face. I see. So that's one patient population with different uh, desires and expectations. And most of the time, believe it or not, most of the time we're making the nose smaller. Mm-hmm. Whether it's that right. bulbous tip, it's narrowing the upper part, or getting rid of that polybeak When we talk about functional patients, breathing issues, severe snoring, bad—you've heard septal deviation—that's mm-hmm. the internal, you know, central kind of wall that comes up as is turned, uh, or you know, snoring at night. All these things, and, and snoring at night is not just a rhinoplasty issue; it can be. Most of the time, we're making those noses a little bit. Bigger.
0: That was gonna not externally. Right. We're trying to okay. mask
1: it externally, but certainly internally, we're opening up structures for airflow. We're removing part of the septum. We're removing part of the what we call turbinates, which filter things. We're adding little cartilage strips to open up that internal nasal valve, as if you were wearing a permanent breathe right strip. We're supporting <sighs> these lower lateral cartilages, the ones that you can see where the external nasal valve. The you know nasal seal, the polar, let's just be honest. (laughs) So a lot of times we're strengthening and enlarging the airway, whereas cosmetic, we're generally restricting, not the airway, but restricting or decreasing the size of the nose.
0: So has anybody ever come in and wanted a
1: bigger outside part
0: of the nose for that any reason. That is not <laughs> common. From a cosmetic standpoint, I, I don't think I've seen that in 12 years now. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I'm really intrigued, though, by the the, the permanent nasal uh, breathe <laughs> right strip at this point, though. Mm-hmm. Um, so then they're coming in, and, and what, what do they do to prep for a surgery like this with you? I mean, what's, you know... You know, similar to the things we talked about with
1: face lift. We don't, We don't want blood thinners, mm-hmm. right? We really don't. We're going to bruise. We know that. We just don't want extensive bleeding. Um, other than that, there's not a whole lot to prep for rhinoplasty. Uh, one of the Biggest is just, especially for cosmetic rhinoplasty, is me prepping that patient for what to expect, what their what their nose will and should look like right. within their expectations, um, and making sure that these photos and, and we do some simulation with a software program to say this is what to expect. You know, we, okay. we don't do sometimes in plastic surgery. There's this myth out there that if I want this person, this celebrity's nose. I'm gonna get that. We don't do that. We we give them the nose that fits their face that they were born with, them, but looks more appropriate to them. Mm-hmm. So, the biggest prep for the surgery is not necessarily what they can do. It's making sure that I prepare them for what to expect and, and what the results will be.
0: So after that's all done, then um, is is recovery is it is it quicker or slower than like uh, some of the facelift stuff we talked about in the last episode? Or I'd say it's probably it's it's uh, quicker, equal to
1: it's quicker in one sense mm-hmm. and longer in the other. And by that I mean it's quicker in when you wake up from surgery, whether it's cosmetic or functional, most of the time you're going to have that splint that everyone knows on the outside. Yep. And we all know about that one. You're also going to have two internal splints inside your nose. The internal and external splints, so the internal splints will come out at a week. We'll take those out after you come back. And the external one will come out at two weeks. So very similar to the facelift talk we had. By two weeks, you don't really have anything external on your body that people would say you've had surgery.
0: Now, what what happens with... And, and this, uh, this will probably be a dumb question, but it seems like when people have rhinoplasty, they also get like Absolutely. the black eyes. Mm-hmm.
1: So what we do most of the time in rhinoplasty, I am fracturing those nasal bones. So we're doing some mm-hmm. form of nasal bone, you know, it, and again, it depends on functional or cosmetic, but a lot of time we're doing nasal bone fracturing, and that will always give you those raccoon eyes. Okay. So that's very common. And like we talked about with facelift, by two weeks, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a yellowish color that's well hidden. So yeah, by two weeks you don't have any splints, the only suture line in a rhinoplasty is right through what we call the columella, that little central part, but again, between the holes. <laughs> yeah, right. That. It has between to right. Between the external islets. So that's really the only. When I do it, and I do mostly open rhinoplasty, there's four sutures right there. They're out at two weeks, and that scar is never seen. The rest of the scars are inside the nose. Okay. The difference with rhinoplasty that we see is that the recovery is actually. Again, I'm amazed. Minimal pain meds needed. Minimal headaches. Really, they recover very well. Two weeks. Don't see anything really. But the nose stays swollen for much longer than other areas of the body. It's kind of an end organ. So the blood flow kind of ends there and then goes out. It doesn't flow through. That makes sense? Yeah, totally. You know, it's kind of like flowing that, right yeah. through your arm. But when it gets to your finger, it's kind of going in a loop. So when you bang that finger with a hammer, it's swollen. Right. right. And it smarts. Rhinoplasty is the, the nose just stays swollen for a while. What we see is that 90% of that swelling is gone by six weeks. But the remaining 10% takes a year. Wow, and it's and it's it's well known, and it's always that way. Now, ten percent isn't a lot, but we'll see a gradual unswelling of that ten percent over the from two months to twelve months. Boy, that's different.
0: Yeah, no, Mm -hmm. no kidding. So it it feels so. You you would. What I'm taking from this is that. It hurts less to have uh, a nose job than to get punched in the nose, probably. <laughs> Absolutely, it seems that way. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Because
1: we know we've been punched in the nose, and that's not fun. No, no, no it no. isn't. Yeah, that's I why guess, you end up getting, getting right punched a in the nose while you're asleep, so it's a little
0: different. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so you said we kind of talked a little bit about how long it it takes to uh, to see the results. Do you do you have people? Do you have anybody ever come back after you've done it and you've done a perfect job. And you're like, this is your face. It's awesome. You're beautiful now. And then they come back and like, I want I want, a, I want, a different one. I want to try it again. So that's the other thing about rhinoplasty
1: is it's the most prominent part of your face. Mm-hmm. And it's it's been well known. You know, we talked about ethne, ethnicity to rhinoplasty. Right. The nose is highly regarded in a lot of cultures, right? And it's very, it's like I said, the most prominent and really defines kind of your face. So it is one of those surgeries that all plastic surgeons talk about is Preparation and preparing the patient of what they might look like, especially with the new software that we have, so that that hopefully doesn't happen. Right. I will tell you that uh, I'm very honest with mm-hmm. our patients and with myself and our results. The best rhinoplasty I've ever done. The patient wasn't happy.
0: Oh, you're and kidding. He
1: was a. Uh, he was just, you know, and we tried to set expectations, but uh, and that's not very common. But sure. it's definitely it's been known and it's talked about, um, and so. It's just one of those things where you know it's hard to know what to do because that's the best rhinoplasty litter I think I've ever done. Well, It you're, was absolutely you're, where I wanted it, but the key is what does he want Sure. Or what does she want. And so that's probably the biggest part of rhinoplasty. Obviously the surgery itself is huge, but that preoperative planning and making sure that we're all on the same page is key.
0: I'm sure Picasso created some great works and <laughs> thought, this is the best thing I've ever done. And the guy that bought it was like, nah, yeah, it was all right. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah, but with, the, with the right
1: preoperative planning um, – we see a patient satisfaction rate with rhinoplasty that's, that's through the roof. It really is.
0: More men or women for rhinoplasty? Uh, more women. Okay. But when you
1: think about facelift and rhinoplasty, mm-hmm. probably about 10% of our facelifts are men. When you think about rhinoplasty, it's probably 25 to 30. Okay. So still more women with rhinoplasty, but as a percentage of general cosmetic procedures, more men proportional that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, absolutely
0: it does. Um, well, that's, uh, again, this has been uh, very, uh, I would say, eye-opening, but I should make a terrible dad joke. I won't. <laughs> Nose opening. Mm-hmm. I am just totally intrigued by the whole, um, you know, what, what because everybody thinks of it purely as cosmetic. I mean, but I don't think a lot of people do realize that, and you mentioned snoring, too, as one aspect of mm-hmm. it. Um, that, you know, people be like, well, that it has to be something in my throat or somewhere else. And it generally
1: is. Sure. But there are certainly times where it comes down to a large majority of it being internal nasal valve terminates and the like.
0: So mm-hmm. you could you would recommend, if people have issues like that, to definitely talk with you or, or see if maybe, you know, yeah. go through their regular Studies doctor. Done. Come to, yep. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: And just see if that's that's that might be a solution, because it definitely could be. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dr. Hunter Moyer, plastic surgeon here at Monument Health, uh, talking facelifts and rhinoplasty and... Uh, is there anything outside of, of, of above the neck? Mm -hmm. Is there any other type of, uh, I guess, what would you call it? wouldn't call it a facelift or a like, do you work with, you mentioned something about a hand transplant, I believe in our last.
1: Yeah, that was back in training. Yeah. Uh So, so I, you know, I'm a a general plastic surgeon here at Monument. Uh, The things that I don't do much of anymore is dedicated hand surgery. That's generally done in big centers or, Mm -hmm. you know, dedicated to only hand surgery. We have some excellent hand surgeons in town and there's less pediatric plastic surgery that I do because that's generally done at the big centers in in Atlanta and and Denver. Other than that, uh, we do everything. Thing here. So, you know, we'll do breast and body. Uh, breast can either be cosmetic breast augmentation or it can be breast cancer reconstruction.
0: Is breast augmentation still one of the bigger um, uh, cosmetic surgeries yeah. that's so done? So if we
1: think about cosmetic surgery... There we go. Yeah. So facelift falls into that. Breast mm-hmm. augmentation falls into that. I think there's probably about still roughly 300,000 breast augmentations done in the United States every year. Oh, wow. And that's one of the bigger ones. Sure. No doubt about it. Liposuction yeah. would probably be the biggest cosmetic surgery. Uh-huh. Uh, but, you know, breast augmentation would be next. Uh, Tummy tucks, the kind of mm-hmm. the standard name we call it. It would be next. Uh, so we do those as well.
0: Excellent. Okay. Dr. Hunter Moyer, plastic surgeon, Monument Health, thank you again for talking with me. And uh, hopefully, I think we talked that maybe down the road we'll have you on again. Uh, dealing with uh, was it with the mastectomies and then the constructive or the uh, the reconstructive yeah. surgery that can happen there. Love to, we were that talking would be about, great. Uh, general
1: surgeon, yeah. breast surgeon joining me. We'd love to talk about breast cancer, uh, what to expect, and breast reconstruction options.
0: That would be great. Again, Dr. Moyer, thank you for joining me. It's uh, it's been a lot of fun having this conversation. Yeah. With Thanks, you. Mark. Appreciate it. Doc Talk with Monument Health is recorded live at Home Slice Studios, hosted by Mark Houston, edited by Russ Hatton, engineered by Chris Jaquist, and produced by Kelsey Kinney and Rob Henry.